right? Versus, hey, we think it might be this. So we're like, so the, the, the counter example is what they did with limited optics, right? They came out with limited optics and they immediately went out and set high hit factors for limited optics for every, every stage before anyone ever shot it, right? And what we found out is it's way too high. Okay. And we all predicted this, but anyway, um, um, so there's two, there's two counter examples where they did a fantastic idea of having everyone shoot the stages first and then doing the scores, which I think they should have done limited optics where at the end of the provisional period, then going and looking back at all the, all the scores for this year, 2023 or last year. And, uh, uh, and then rescoring everybody after setting high factor, but they didn't do that. Um, so anyway, so 2203, was one of the one of the stages that they rejected, and they rejected, I think, partially because I made a stink about it. Um, but if you look at the scores here, um, the scores, if we scroll through all the divisions here, tab through them, um, yeah, look at all these graphs. So they look like they fit nice bell curves, but if you notice, they're different than all the bell curves we've looked at so far. And they're different how they've got a, a really long tail that goes off to the right. Okay. So if you're just a data guy and don't know anything about the sport, that might not mean anything to you, right? We, we've got a good, we've got a good well-matched bell curve. So what's the problem here, right? Um, well, the problem was, we, you know, setting the stage up in person, what we found, so 2204, it was a, it was a square shooting area. And there was uh, two angled walls that came off the side of the square. And then there was a double stack behind the walls, uh, double stack with a no shoot in each corner. And then the top corner is the same thing, double stack, no shoots. And the angle, the angle of those walls affected, you had to go all the way to, you know, to, the, to this corner here to shoot the, the target that was back here. So the angle of that wall and the length really mattered how much you could actually, how much of the target you could actually see and present. And at my okay. club, we, we set it up and we couldn't see the targets at all at how it was officially. Oh, measured, wow. Right. And we're like, okay, what's going Ooh. on here? So I, I took the measuring tape to the wall, our wall. So the standard wall is eight foot, right? Our wall right. was eight foot and one inch. So that one oh. inch at that angle completely occluded the target. So we, we changed, like we'd like move the wall around in order to try to get the intended vision which was we, we, we thought was kind of leaning around the corner slightly and you could see the whole thing. And so it was basically like, wow, you know, just a tiny, a tiny difference in how you set up the stage or the dimensions of your stage props had massively affected the, the target presentation. Right. And so, so this, this kind of like hit at home the, the point to me of like, well, making like, first of all, one problem with classifiers, a lot of the classifiers, if you've ever set them up, they're not ver like where the targets are and walls are, are not very well defined. Right. Um, they're, they're partially defined how like, and so they're very hard to get consistent every time you set it up and get them exactly the same. Um, but then a movement stage like that, where man, even the slightest dimension change on, uh, even with a well dimensioned stage, a slightest change that even cause you don't measure a 45 degree angle perfectly. No one's out there with a, uh, a total station doing a survey to figure out the wall angles. Right. And so a slightest change in that and massively change the stage. So it kind of hit on the point to me of like, you really can't build complex stages and have it be a consistent classifier. 
And in my opinion, if the class like if classifier shot at one club is not the same as the class as the same classifier shot at another club, then it's not a classifier. It shouldn't be a classifier, right? Um, it's not a, it's not an equal measure of skill because they're different stages how how shooters see him and engage him, right? So so uh, I know I pestered uh, USPSA about it when and they were like at the end of the provisional period. I know they will never admit or would say it's because of of the posts and stuff that I was doing, but you know we can hope that it, that it might have been. Uh, but they but they they threw this one out. And they they rejected this classifier just because, like I said, yeah, it's just it's not a classifier if it's if you can't consistently set up the stage. Right. Now. I, I just saw somewhere someone was mentioning how um, Ipsic did away with the classification system altogether. Yeah. What are your thoughts on that? Um, so I think, I think, well, it's multifaceted here, right? I, I think classification, I think, again, when we look at that national, even at the national performance, it's still reasonably stacked up gms beat m's m's beat a's right it reasonably stacked up like that so right so it is a reasonable measure of performance but it doesn't measure super squad like top guys right it doesn't measure them very accurately and it's missing skill sets that it can't measure right so there, there's <clears throat> there are deficiencies here um i personally wouldn't mind if we didn't have classification at all <clears throat> but you know, especially since I help run several matches in my section, <clears throat> it's very clear that average shooters, a bunch of average shooters, really like classifiers, right? So that is a big selling point to new shooters: is how do we, how do I measure up against the national standard, right? Because remember, I got into the sport. My dad said. If you if you think you're good at something, go and compete against people that are, and find out. And so right. the classification system, as limited or as many issues as it has, still is a way that attracts people to measure how how do I stack up on the, on the national stage. <clears throat> and you know, and I'm sure I could go to, uh, you know, I could go to a totally different state, different section, shoot their locals, and still perform pretty well. Um, you know, similar performance to how I do at my locals. Um, but if I go to a nationals event, I don't know how I'd stack up. I probably wouldn't stack up that well, especially since I've been more focused on running matches than, than my own personal performance lately. Right. <clears throat> so I, I think there's still value. I think there is still value in it I, as, as flawed as it is. And I, and I think it is something that really attracts people to the sport, whether it be USPSA or whatever alternate comes about. Uh, if there's a classification system, people will like it and want to shoot them. Um, I so I'm I'm also really partial to a uh, a skill rating system, which which uh, Jay Slater, um, if you've talked to him, I'm sure he's explained uh, uh, his rating system. But but yes. essentially, I and I and I've uh, done my own test uh, development of a, of a system as well, where where if you're familiar with chess or video games, and video games also does this, but in chess, they they what they have is called an ELO uh, rating system, and basically, you 
how your 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 match or your game finishes, how you win or lose or draw in chess against another player, you can, you know, earn or lose rating points. And if you're a high rated player and you play against a low rated player, mm-hmm. you're expected to win. Right. So if, right. if say like if I was shooting against Niels and I beat Niels, he would lose a bunch of rating points and I would earn a bunch of rating points. Right. Um, if we were to have rating point system and um, and that would be be purely on match or stage performance. Right. So Jay, Jay kind of like college football. Yeah. Yeah. Um, video games for people that, that play or are familiar with video games, which which I'm sure nowadays is, is a good number of shooters. Um, it, like ranked modes in video games, they have under under the covers, they have their own little rating system where it's the same thing. Like you're expected to beat somebody that's a lot worse than you and you earn and, and you know earn your rating points to move up and rank or, or not. Um, and and Jay, both Jay and I, we have different methods, um, but basically both proven that this can be reasonably applied to competitive shooting and that, and, and it's more based on match performance. Uh, like Jay's looks at each individual's uh, stage because uh, it gives you more data. If you look at every stage versus just the final match percentage um, mine currently that I've, that I've tested looks at uh, just match performance and at how you rate. And like, at least with a, I've done with my section it reasonably accurately ranks everyone's skills within the section um, to what at least we feel like intuitively is, is a correct uh, ranking, I guess, if you will, of the, of the shooters in our section. Um, so it is actually so, a decent way to doing it. An alternate. So Kurt, do you have, do you have like software skills then too? Yeah. So I, uh, I can pro- program in Python. So I do, I do all my analytical programming in Python Um and for my for my PhD research, I uh, uh, you know had developed the sensor system as well as all the analytics for for uh, neural networks. Yeah. Okay. Goodness, you've got quite yeah. the array of skills. Yeah. I'm a, now, I'm do you do you use AI with any of this stuff that you're doing with practical shooting? Uh, no, no, I have, I have not because so a- AI uh, is it's it, you know it's the the voodoo of, it, it can do everything but it can do nothing um <laughs> voodoo i like it yeah so so a, a, ai uh, there's a lot of misconceptions with ai um there could be places to use ai in competitive shooting but i i just haven't really found them to be honest um and, and, i want to and, find a way to use it to virtually shoot my classifiers that's all i'm saying <laughs> Yeah, right. Like, <laughs> I, uh, I've talked to Derek at, uh, at Practical Shooting Insights, and and he was going to do an AI uh, system where on practice score, where you could look, it, the AI would look at all the practice score data, and it could figure out which shooter was who, who was who, right? So like, and if you've ever dealt with practice score, every time you you register for a match, you put your name and USPSA number email stuff like that but you can input whatever you want right and no one's there to correct you except yeah. for maybe your uspsa number when the match director uploads it to uspsa uh and so so he there there is a place for ai there where you could say look have ai look at uh say a set of matches and say well this person is all of these particular scores even if they're named wrong or different uspsa numbers right like there's there's ways that yeah, AI could do something like that. Um, 
now I don't think he ever, I don't think he did develop it because it just sometimes with AI, it's like, do you really need to? Like <laughs> sometimes right. with data, is like you, you know, spend all this time programming something you don't actually need. Um, it's a very true software often case, but uh, uh, but yeah, so there 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 is room for that, but yeah, I uh, I don't I haven't found anything that I want to spend the time to develop AI for and 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 practice. Okay. Learning. But the software you've created for your local stuff, your ELO ratings, you've yeah. you've been able to tweak it to the point where it's it's accurate in rating all the local shooters. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. Um, now I, I, I've looked at trying to trying to expand that to nationally, and uh, what it comes down to is essentially needing the computing power and server space to to have something that could make a, a rating system that's available to the public and automatically download stuff. And, and that like, to me, it was like, well, both too much effort than I can afford to do as well as just the, the cost expense of running a, a server, a server. Um, is, is not, like I said, I'm a PhD student. I'm not, uh, I'm not a professional <laughs> yet, so I don't, don't have the money to, uh, you're not Dr. Kirk like McKenna yet. Not yet. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Um, now I did. I wanted. Okay, go ahead. I'm sorry. Sorry. Yeah. So yeah, and, and Jay, Jay. So Jay uh, Slater, he has done the same uh, with a very similar system, uh, looking at uh, majors, and his rating system from majors turns out to be really accurate too, um, in a mm -hmm. reasonable predictor of performance. Now, obviously, you can't predict the future, so things always change right but but it is reasonable predicting performance as well as like if if you had a classification system where say like gm means you were this skill and higher right then then that would actually be a reasonable way of doing it and that wouldn't have you wouldn't have to do classifiers at all yeah i think i think the only issues that really um come into play here to to skew the data would be your joey sourlands who in a year time frame go from Joe Schmo to, you know, top three at nationals. Um, and also your issues like, again, I hate using JJ as an example, but JJ having the issue with the gun, you know, right. those are the only things you can't, you can't predict, you know? Right. Right. So. Right. Otherwise I feel like it's, it's what Jay is doing with his is very, very accurate. Yeah, but and, but it's and a, a human a, factor, right? And and then there's another potential uh, pitfall if you look at if you were to do that on a local level, is uh, like the siloing effect, right? So all all the local shooters in my section here in Colorado, right? Like we might have our own ranking and scores, but then all the local shooters over in Arizona might have you know their own ranking, and so say like a 1500 from Colorado may not be the same as a 1500 from Colorado from Arizona because there's not a lot of like cross cross breeding and in the and you know not a lot of shooters shooting against each other from the different states so <laughs> like there there is that potential issue as well right yeah. okay I wanted to talk also because you also did um, some other stuff which uh, I thought was very interesting yeah now this is um, activity by state that you had created yeah which i find very interesting and i wanted to i 
I saw that you had created a similar map, but yeah. uh, I don't know if you use Flourish or who you use, but at least this way I can go in and we can see the numbers. Yeah. If yeah, I, yeah. it's actually yeah. interactive. Um, yeah. But I found this very, very interesting mm -hmm. where obviously California was the most active state in the country with over 21,000 matches uh, in 2022. Now I assume these are matches that had a classifier. Is that correct? Yeah. So it was, uh, 21,000 classifier scores in 2022. Okay. Yeah. yeah not, not matches. Um, okay. Yeah. 21,000 classifier scores. All right. Yep. So California, then Texas, and then I, I think it's Arizona. Yeah. Arizona followed by Pennsylvania. Yeah. Okay. But I also found it interesting that while you had a few in here that had some higher, like your state, Colorado, yeah. Washington wasn't bad. That was pretty good too. Yeah. But then, you know, there's a lot of states mixed in there right. that don't have very many numbers. And then you come over to the East Coast. Like actually, New York shocked me with 7,000 classifier scores for 2022. Right. I Because of the gun laws, I would not have expected that. But. I, I was wrong, but there's a lot more on the eastern half of the country that have a bunch of scores than than on the the other. Now I noticed someone had asked you if you were going to do all of the matches, but it sounds like that would be a very time consuming prospect. Um. Yeah. So, uh, at least at the time. So I've been doing a lot of this uh, kind of in my spare time. And if you notice, I haven't been posting a whole lot lately because I've uh, been both busy personally as well as uh, uh, kind of just fed up with USPSA in some regard. So I, I you know, haven't okay. been as interested in posting. But um, um, so, so, so let me – so the, how I got the data. So what I, what I did is I wrote a script that went to USPSA.org, their match results. So their published match results that everyone can go and look at, right? So I didn't, I didn't hack their database, didn't do anything like that. I just looked to the web page and each, each web page that had, had scores, I, uh, I grabbed them. Um, and it's, it is time consuming in terms of like the, the bot that goes through and does that. Um, and then, uh, you know, the, my first pass, the first first pass I've done, I've only grabbed classifier scores because the the data adds up and gets big really quick. So I only wanted to grab classifier scores. So that's why I've been like posting like stuff like this is on a per classifier basis um, rather than on a, on a per match basis. Um, and with this one in particular, how I how I got the states is I looked at the match, looked at the classifier score, and which club that that the you know the score the match was at right and then i also looked at the uspsas went through all of their clubs and recorded all of their clubs and and like all the official affiliated clubs when i when i did you know when i made this post with march of 23 so i went 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 in march and what was it who were all the affiliated clubs in march and grabbed all of and like recorded them and then correlated you know which match from which state shot which uh which you know how many classifiers right um so that so that's how i came up with this with this plot and this data um and so to 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 do it for every single match um 
it would be, you know, it's a little bit more complicated. Got to record everything rather than just uh, right. classifiers. Um, as well as since then, USPSA ha- their their IT team has added a uh, like kind of an anti bot measure. So my script crawler no longer works in USPSA, but I've gone to Practice Score and done the same thing in Practice Score. And Practice Score takes even more time um, because uh, more than US, a lot more than USPSA matches are shot and recorded on Practice Score. Um, right. And like, there's no there's no data verification on Practice Score. So like, if someone who's I don't know uh, shooting NRL twenty two post that it accidentally presses USPSA when they select the match type and upload it that way, then like I got to go through and sort through their scores and make sure is this actually a USPSA match. So, so just, just technically it's, it's more difficult as, you know, uh, as well as just data wise, um, you know, just more data. And I just haven't done that. And I, and I found like, uh, at least in 2022, a lot of clubs are shooting classifiers uh, pretty regularly. Um, I know, I know that's changing. Um, I know, like in my state in 2023, that certainly changed where we clubs started shooting less classifiers, like started starting to shoot only the minimum requirement um, for various reasons. Um, and I know 2024, especially with all the protests going on, there's going to be even less uh, uh, classifiers. So, like, I, if I were to do this again, I'd probably, um, you know, get it from practice score and just do every match, not just. Uh, not just not just uh classifier matches so and that's just yeah again it, it's the reason why i haven't been posting is like part of it's just been busy man trying to graduate my wife wants me to graduate <laughs> yeah yeah I, I get that i mean i'm sure your wife wants you to move on to the next phase <laughs> post post school yeah now what but, program uh, did yeah. you use to create your and just I'll pull this up so other people can yeah. see what I'm talking about. Like this is what you had posted. Yeah. And what um, program do you use? So I use Python uh, pretty exclusively, okay. and I don't remember which package in particular, but I think there it's not like all my plots normally are, are from Matplotlib um, package in Python, and this was I think something else that does state mapping. Um, okay. Yeah, that could do mapping, and so, so yeah, I, I, so basically, all all pro- programmed it all myself using these uh you know open source libraries. Gotcha. Um, whereas, like you, it looks like yeah, you've got you uploaded uh, actually yeah some some decent uh, uh, plotting tool that you've got there. Yeah, Flourish actually they're they're designed exactly for this. Like you can do political data, you can do population data, you could do disease data, you can break it down by county. I mean, it, it gets crazy. It took me a little while just to figure out how to do this. Um, but it's interesting how with the last map, you know, mm-hmm. California was far and ahead. Mm-hmm. of everybody else but in this case because there's so few there's more animals in montana than people yeah. the per capita is actually the highest number of classifier scores which is pretty funny actually yeah yeah definitely but but you can see you know like i pointed out in the post too the interesting thing is uh like my state makes top 15 either way we're definitely not top top 15 in population and then Arizona makes top five either way as well. Um, but yeah, you see that right. definitely the more the more rural states have more activity per capita, 
kind of makes sense, right? More people interested in guns, um, more rural, but not like totally rural either. Um, and you know, we're going out to shoot and like Arizona, Arizona, I wouldn't call it rural estate. And they're, uh, they're, they like shooting. They're really good at shooting down there. Yeah. And, but the thing that I find interesting is like the, the, it flipped, like there were a few yeah. states in the activity by state out West and most of them were East. And now most of them are West with a few East. Yeah. So, so you have to go to the, you know, like West Virginia and Maine are higher, yeah. but they also have fewer clubs uh, and, and population. So it's very interesting. Yeah. And, uh, so, so I, right. I lived in Texas for a few years. Um, so, I uh, well, look, Alaska is pretty popular high too. But anyway, uh, so I lived in Alaska, yeah. uh, Texas for, for a little while. And I did an internship in, in down in Texas down in 2018. And uh, uh, this was after I started shooting. So I brought all my equipment down there, like ready to go do some matches. And I was in Houston, at least at the time, like they, they were very uncoordinated compared to my section in Colorado. And there was like so few and far between matches. And I was, I was like really shocked that Texas didn't shoot a lot. And then, and then I did this post in Texas, at least uh, in total numbers is really high. Um, but when you look at per capita, it's, I don't know, middle of the pack kind of. Um, and so it's uh, yeah, kind of, okay. It's like, okay, that makes sense. It's, there's a lot of people and those people shoot their matches regularly, but there's not a lot of matches per capita if that makes sense yeah yeah absolutely and like in california if you look at the actual clubs like most of them are northern california uh there's like a handful of clubs in the la area um but yeah almost all the activities in northern california that that would be interesting too if there was a way to break it down by club you know what i mean so location within that yeah map that would be interesting see i think i have area code so i could feasibly try to do it by a handful of area codes but at that <laughs> yeah at the moment is is seems like more more work than i'm interested in doing at the moment but uh right uh, but i do have the area code information so i i could feasibly um do the same do the same plot by area code or like, well, look, if you ever need help putting this stuff out in some form or another, let me know. I'd be willing to help you. Yeah. That's um, not, right. And I, yeah. And I could get 2023 data. So yeah, that, that something I could do, we could do for, for 2023 is, uh, I could download the data and somehow get that, get that to you or repost it and do something interesting with it but uh, okay i mean even if you just do changed. what what you've been doing like with your information yeah. on google sheets you could always just post it there and send me a link yeah yeah that's so true. it's yeah it's it's very interesting that is for sure yeah 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 and at least again like i i uh i was surprised about california and texas um you know in a way because i figured that uh they weren't so interested in shooting that much um, but turns out now, obviously because they're big States, big populations that they do. They, yeah. yeah, right. Yeah. Even California. I mean, as far ahead as they were of everybody in, 
the total number of classifiers, they're what, maybe a, a little above middle of the pack. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Oh, that also reminds me. So there, there used to be an argument against raising production to 15, um, because of mag band states. And right. the funny thing is, if you look at all of the mag band states, they have high USPSA uh, activity. And let me tell you, they're not shooting 10 round max. They're shooting, they're shooting full capacity. So, so I, yeah. I think the, the capacity arguments in terms of, of, uh, you know, in, in Colorado included, no one cares about capacity and law enforcement doesn't enforce it. No one cares. So like, I know, I know there's, I understand the drama and I understand why that was bad, but at the same time, USPSA was kind of correct in terms of literally nobody enforces it here. And that's true with almost every state, except for probably New York and New Jersey, uh, in terms of yeah. enforcement of mag capacities. Um, but, but in terms of at matches, certainly as far as I know, New York is the only state that, that matches do enforce 10 round max, um, that I'm aware of. I'm sure other states do, but you think like states like California, Colorado, obviously because of the cameo, uh, controversy, Washington state, like all those clubs are letting their shooters shoot max capacity. We're not, we're not requiring people to, to conform to the state law. Um, and that's, I mean, multiple reasons one is a match director i'm not a law enforcement officer you know so i'm, I'm not gonna enforce that law on you uh but i know like the in the case of like cameo in colorado um i i think uspsa was in the wrong right because they basically went and said hey we know this is the law and but it's okay if you break it because they say they're not going to enforce it Right. And so there's, there's the draw. Like, right. like, I think that's, that's bad. That's really bad. Policy, I do too. Right. Uh, it um, is. Yeah. Cause all you need is to annoy some state government officials and suddenly the state patrol is out there enforcing it. Right. Even though they, right. Somebody other than the local patch. sheriff. Yeah. 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 And I just think it's bad optics in general as an yeah. organization to promote something like that, you know? Right. As much as I would love to shoot at Cameo, yeah, and I think it would be a great place to hold nationals, yeah. just because there are so many other options. You know, the way that thing is wired for sound, I mean, there are so many things you could do yeah. media-wise. It could be super, super fun. But yeah. I think until we get to that point where magazine capacity is not an issue, we just have right. to play it safe. Uh, yeah, unfortunately. I believe our mag capacity ban is currently within the district court, I think. Um, and we had a former USPSA shooter uh, testify at that. And uh, from what I've read from the testimony, he did a very terrible job that made that made shooting look bad. So, yeah, unfortunately. And this is what got me when I was creating this map. Yeah. You have Illinois very big anti-gun and Indiana right beside them. So they're right beside each other mm -hmm. and Indiana's pro-gun, pro-Second Amendment. And you have more than twice as much participation in Illinois as you do in Indiana. Just yep. nuts to me. Right. Right. And well, 
I think part of that is I want to say Wisconsin is pretty active. There's a lot of good shooters in Wisconsin and, and there's a lot of clubs just over the border in Illinois. So I think in that like lower Wisconsin area and upper Illinois, I think there's just both obviously with Chicago, but I think there's just a lot of people that shoot matches in that region. And I, and so I think there's a lot of overlap interstate overlap uh, potentially. Okay. So they just go up into Wisconsin and shoot there where they could literally be safe in shooting full mags. Right. Well, or vice versa and come down. Right. Coming down. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there, there are a handful of clubs. I remember when I was going through the the list that are kind of like in that region where they're all about maybe an hour away from each other. Um, which, you know, at least in, in, in my section around Denver, you know, any, any club that's within two hours is like, everyone goes to it. So I gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I also thought since we were talking about um, the USPSA stuff, I'm going to go back to now. Here's one (laughs) that we could drum up a little controversy on. Um, You said a very rough estimate of revenue from classifiers and match fees being 560 K in 2022. Now I thought when I saw that, I thought the interesting thing here would be taking that money and I think you could really, it would be interesting to take that just as a rough estimate that, and then take all your 2022 data for nationals, you know, all the money you brought in for sponsorships, um, match fees, that type of thing versus all of your expenses for those things, put in your 560, see what the difference is. And then let's just say for 2024, a guesstimate would be you take that same data for 2023. You determine that. Mm-hmm. Let's say it's the same 560 just for argument's sake. And then all your cost for your nationals and then roll that into one nationals. Compare it to this would be our cost if we did a, say a five day Monday through Friday match where you shoot four out of the five days. At the end of Friday, then you know, the the whole thing's over, but what would be the cost of something like that or a four day match compared to running three or four different nationals and look at that bottom line? I think that would be very interesting because I, I personally and several people I've spoken to think that's the way to go to reduce that, that number at the bottom being a negative number. Yeah, I'm so I'm personally, uh, you know, an, a fan or an advocate of of saying instead of say doing three or four nationals, doing one or two, and making them a day or two longer to accommodate more shooters, right? Um, and yes. more divisions. I, I think I think that's the way to do it because I'm I'm sure it's you know rolling two nationals into one is going to be cheaper than ha- hosting two nationals. I think that would be a better way of doing it. Um, the only complaint or the only uh, opposition to that that I've heard is people going, well, if, say, production is on day one through three and everything else, you know, and then day six is awards, you know, the people that want to stay around for awards from production got to stay around an extra three days or whatever. And so they got to spend that money. And it's like, 
too bad in my opinion like uh, i'm sorry that like like if you want to stay if you want to stay around for awards then do that if not then we i mean we can figure out ways to still recognize the people even if they don't stick around for the whole week that the event is like yeah uh, but that's that's the only the only thing i've heard of people that the you know opposition to rolling multiple multiple events into one um now as far as like actual budget goes like i you know i'm sure i could make some estimates but you know we could we could easily come up with we know how much nationals cost right how much well how much the fee is to enter right so we could we could come up with a, a gross revenue pretty easily for how much nationals makes right um but i I, I agree with that yeah but but i've heard as far as how much it costs they the uspsa keeps it pretty close at hand obviously they don't announce it um right on a mat per match basis and i i've also heard that they uh they don't even have a formal budget for for a single event they just throw it and then whatever the final cost is is the final cost which to me is like mind-blowing right and and i know and i know i've heard of other majors uh even you know smaller majors like level twos where match directors will do the same thing and they'll just say hey it's 150 dollars and then they blow out their budget and then suddenly they're in ten thousand dollars of debt just to throw the match like i've heard of that being unfortunate common common circumstance where it's like to me again that blows my mind i would think if i'm gonna put on a major yeah. event I'm going to like get all my numbers figured out and then we're going to price it based on staying at least net zero, right? Staying like trying try yeah. to break even. Um, so to me, it just, it blows my mind that, you know, we, they made it, you know, an additional $500,000 on classifiers alone and they still were over budget and went into $500,000 worth of debt in 2022. So so like what are they spending money on at nationals right like like to me that's just it, the numbers are crazy well and aren't the classifiers and match fees supposed to go towards nationals i mean that's what i thought uh, so so i mean but one of the things this guy i just had a oh my gosh it must have been a i think it was a two-hour conversation with someone i don't even want to hint at who it is because i don't i don't want that getting out but he said the exact same thing they're basically treating it like they have an open checkbook so they're just they don't care what the expense is but i do feel you need to start with at least a rough estimate of this is what our income is going to be this is what the cost is going to be here's the bottom line how can we adjust that so look i know it's not a money maker right you know, they're, they're, they're probably going to go into the red, but like we just said, if you have three or four of them and it's 500,000 in the red and we do one and it's $50,000 in the red, well, that's a heck of a lot better than the alternative. Right. Right. So. And, and unfortunately USPSA is not, uh, you know, a national government. So we, you know, they <laughs> can't just print money. A, right. As an organization, <laughs> they, they physically cannot operate in the red year over year right like that right they can't just go into debt because eventually who's going to give them who's going to give the org money to put on events like yeah you know and and the are the area directors self-financing the org i if they are like uh, that's retarded but uh, i don't think they are it just you know where's where's the money coming from and you know eventually if there is some sort of 
you know, bank account paying for this is that's going to run dry. Right. So like, it's gotta be the whole org's gotta be positive on average over time. Otherwise it's just going to, it's fundamentally going to die. Like it's, you know, economics. Right. You can't go into debt infinitely. Unlike the U S government. Right now. I noticed that PSL is our PCSL is coming out with a classifier system. Did you help with that at all? Um, I, so I will be helping them with some of the data analytics. Um, so I, okay. I've got, I've got some of the, I've got the data from them from the, I guess the two matches where they've, they've had classifiers. So I, yeah, I will be, will be posting, um, my analysis of them here in the, in the coming days and weeks, probably sooner than later. Um, and one, one thing I'm going to do is I'm going to actually look at USPSA, like national, national events that have new classifiers, like how the national scores compare against, um, against the full bell curve after five years. Right. So, so like basically to come up with a, a relative number of like, say, you know, everyone at nationals is shooting conservatively because they want to win the match, hopefully, and not zero heroing this potential classifier, right? So, right. Um, so what I want to do is look at, like, how does, you know, the top guys shooting conservatively compare against five years worth of data of everyone zero or heroing it and, and use that as, like, a here's a recommended, like, initial, initial high hit factor from the national scores from the PCSL event. And then I, you know, I've been also working with them as like, Hey, like we need to come up with some very well-defined repeatable, consistent way of setting high hit factor and, and Max. And I think Marcel is helping Max as well. So Max Leo Grandis, um, we talked a little bit and they're like, yeah, like, well, we need to come up with a defined way. Well, you know, Max will decide what it is. Um, but so I'm going to, I'm going to make some recommendations of like, you know, here's what I think hit factor should be initially until there's enough data to set up uh, a consistent um, high hit factor uh, methodology. And, and I like personally recommend, I like that 1% GM, um, you know, that top 1% equals GM. And I think he's currently thinking of a similar like high hit factor classification system. And I, and I, and I floated the idea of the rating skill. And I think, uh, Max isn't super interested in the rating skill system just because of the siloing between sections. Like if there's not enough people shooting against each other in other states, then the rating system could go wrong. So, um, so he's interested in the classifier, like traditional classifiers, but, uh, yeah, I'll be working with them to help them come up with a way to set high hit factor. Okay. And what do you have? What do you have set for 2024? Anything other than finishing your PhD? Uh, finishing my PhD. Uh, so I help run, uh, five matches locally. Um, so oh, wow. one, one thing yeah, I've overcommitted myself, but, uh, <laughs> Hey man, I like, I like shooting. Right? So, <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. Um, so, so I, I want to run like my goal at helping run matches or as match director is like, to run matches that people want to come back and shoot. Right. And, and not, not, and not just like fun matches, but also like challenging high scale matches that people want to come back and shoot. So, so I do that. So I, I run, um, also not, so I run USPSA matches as well as I run, um, a tactical rifle match where 
uh, we basically do the same thing, but with AR-15s. Um, so we, we've got our, our tactical rifle match. Um, it's similar to PCSL. At least we're going to, we're actually using PCSL rules, but it's a one gun, uh, rifle only match where we've got stages that are kind of like traditional USPSA stages where they're in close, that close quarters type type stages. And then we've got, uh, uh, state, our range, we have, uh, burned out to 400 yards so we do a couple stages where it's like zero to 400 yards uh shooting and they're kind of more positional shooting against steel targets um and hey like it's fun you need to go be good with an ar-15 and not just rage blast at close distance which is also fun too um so so i, I run that match um with another guy uh we're you know co- co-match track that and and it's a lot of fun um and like I said, we, we use PCSL rules, and we actually add an, an addendum to that. Um, we added a couple extra divisions um, as well. As I, so I, I wrote my own rule book, too, uh, called the American Practical Shooting League. Um, I know some of you guys may have seen that. Oh, I have yep. seen that. I didn't know who that was. That's you. Yeah, that's me. So oh, I, I, I wrote okay. that. And the, and the main motivation for that originally was... I wanted a rule book for that tactical rifle match because we didn't have one formally. We were just like, yeah, we're USPSA safety rules, but we have our own division. So, we, so I wrote that um, and we merged the rifle divisions with PCSL. So we're basically PCSL plus two divisions. Um, and uh, yeah, so I wrote that. And that the other, I also wrote some, some pistol rules too, pistol divisions, which um, yeah, I'm a big fan of, and I'm, I'm also trying to convince Max to, to uh, maybe incorporate some of my ideas into, into PCSL. Um, um, and, and part of, yeah, the other, the other reason for that is uh, uh, pistol wise, like if we're going to shoot outlaw pistol is, you know, a lot of, a lot of the USPSA divisions, in my opinion, don't make any sense. Um, they're kind of, they're kind of arbitrary, especially with the new edition of, of limited optics is uh uh, and I even have data on limited optics from this year, which we can talk a little bit about too. Um, but limited optics is, in my opinion, identical to carry optics, right? So carry optics, we dial back time, right? It's kind of based on production. And over time, we've adjusted carry optics rules where it's basically a pseudo race gun Right, like like my 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 shadow two, and my the trigger kit I have in my shadow two, in single action, is just as good as most twenty elevens, and even some of the best twenty elevens. Like I, I have a, a friend who has an Atlas uh, Athena, and he says my single action trigger is the same as his Atlas Athena, but it's a joke. So oh, his wow. Atlas Athena can't be in carry optics, but my shadow two can be right, and and. Right. and even though like they're almost identical. Uh, um, so I, I, to me, I think it's, it's silly. Um, and it, looking at the scores from this year too, for limited optics, limited optics on average is only 0.1 hit factor better than, it, than carry optics, which is arbitrary to me. It's throw it out. It's the same 0.1 is no real difference. Uh, but yeah, so I see hmm. you got the, yeah, divisions here posted. <clears throat> and so uh, my, our thought is, and I, you know, I've, I've worked with uh, some some top twenty five shooters in open and limited, and you know, I've talked to them like, hey, is your if you are shooting minor scoring only, right? So minor scoring only, is your tricked out twenty eleven race gun 
can you shoot that any better in minor only with minor power factor ammo than a shadow two that's that's tuned and the answer tends to be eh, kind of no like or well, sorry they're they're about the same there's no real major okay. advantage with with a comp when you're shooting when you're shooting minor power factor ammo um they're they're about equivalent and so what uh what i did is basically we've got iron sight division and an optics division um and and essentially and and i've even changed it uh since a little bit since then i i need to actually post the rule book or a link to the to the current rule book um, but in optics uh it's and in irons it's compensators barrel ports all that stuff's allowed mag capacity is allowed so we just got an iron division and an optics division and for mag capacity what i wanted to do and what what the group of us wanted to do um is make it not make make divisions make more sense on how you compete with them rather than gear specific things so in mag capacity we say there's no mag limits however for stages that require 20 or more shots you must make a mandatory reload between your first shot and your last shot right so now okay. if you if you run a factory 21 round mag or if you run 170 millimeter mag whatever right like it's it's you got to make you got to make a reload at some point in there um and so that the thought thought was is like now 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 it's based on you as the shooter deciding when and where to make your reload rather than forced you based on on a division gear requirement right um and so that way that's more focused on the competition aspect of shooting rather than the skill side of shooting rather than the gear itself um, but you could definitely game it because i do have a brass plus nine base pad from taylor freelance that would now allow me to get like 27 rounds in my mag yeah plus one in the chamber now i have a better i have a wider variety of when i can change mags you know what i mean yeah yeah so now i can do it while i'm moving versus yeah uh you know only having 20 plus one or 22 plus one or whatever and you know really having to fine tune it more yeah so exactly. i like it so so we make it where you can decide when you want to do that and as well as like hey if you want to run a 50 round drum in your pistol you can you just got to reload at some point and anyone who's oh. ever run a drum and a pistol realizes that's really dumb because all that weight and mass just makes that's the gun handle worse right so like you could but it's not a good idea Right, so, so, so holsters. You... <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so I, I also put suppressors allowed, uh, at least for the moment, in my opinion. I saw with, that. with supersonic ammo, and as long as you have a safe holster, right? I think a lot of modern timers can pick up supersonic suppressed ammo. And and, okay. and in my experience as a match director with our timers, we can. Right, like I, I, I've been able to easily pick up t shot times as long as the RO is correct and in the right spot can pick up shot times even from an MP5. Right, the well, and the and the sensitivity is set right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so I, th I think it's doable. So I, I think as a Second Amendment guy, like why artificially restrict suppressors? Right, like if the match, if if you as a match director want to want to allow it and and you know put in the effort to do uh, to allow you know to 
tune your your timers and make sure everyone's timing correctly, then why not? You know, it's competitively a suppressor does not make you competitive. Anyone who's ever shot a suppressor in a pistol will know it makes the shooting worse. Uh, but it's cool, and we can do it because we're American. <laughs> <laughs> now yeah. i thought this was interesting so you did a classic is this for like your single stack that type of thing yeah. or revolver yeah. so that it makes it a little they get yeah, their so, division yeah yeah so that was the intent with classic is if guys that want to like normally shoot production want to stay with tens or single stack guys want to show up and they don't want to compete against guys with 30 round sticks or the revolver <laughs> guys want to shoot the match you can still do it and I, and, I, and my thing too is like hey do whatever you want to the gun, optics, irons, whatever, just 10 round max. Um, and I've even thought about a, uh, a lightweight division, um, which I haven't posted that, but a, a lightweight division where same thing, do whatever you want to your gun, optics, irons, magwell, no magwell, whatever. However, the only requirement is the unloaded gun without a magazine has to be less than 32 ounces. Right. So then you can kind of min max and play around with how you put your gun set up. Um, so if you well wanted the, to, yeah. if, if you carry a compact gun and you wanted to shoot that in competition, that would be that category. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I've, I've, uh, like I said, I, I, I've, I've written rule book. It's kind of in a provisional state and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm working with Max Leo Grandis and his team, you know, maybe to incorporate some of my ideas in the PCSL. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I've, I've, I think there's potential here in this alternative version of the sport. Interesting. So I assume then with the updated rules that with comps being allowed in the optics pistol division, then your open guns would fit there. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, and it, and it could be a matter of like, so I know like some people might not like that concept and it, and it could be a matter of like if if this were to actually grow, which I doubt it will, but if it were to actually grow, like we, you know, and it, that's obvious that we need a, a separate open gun division. Like we could do that, like move it and make them their own traditional open division. So, yeah, because I, I mean, I could see where, I mean, even with a limited optics gun, you're not going to. I guess you could put a comp on it, though. You could put a comp on anything you wanted. So even carry optics guns can take a comp so you could really flatten it out. Yeah. And, and I've, uh, uh, within, within the rule book too, is there's only minor scoring. So there's no, no major scoring at all. Ooh, um, I really like that. Yeah. And, uh, uh cause me, yeah, go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I was just going to say that I feel like the, I, I know why they do major scoring. I get it. Makes perfect sense. But, I also feel like in a way, while you're you're incentivizing speed, you're rewarding slop at times because you know you can you can get deltas and still get an extra point in there. And I don't mean tight deltas either. You know, you can just be loose and yeah. And I, I'm me coming from more of an accuracy background. I hate seeing that kind of I feel like the if you want to give them an extra point for a Charlie, I'm down with that. Yeah. But maybe keep deltas the same yeah. because we shouldn't be rewarding deltas. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, I agree with you. I think, uh, 
yeah, that uh, I like. I'm a fan of minor scoring, um, just because it's yeah rewards accuracy over over pure pain spray, and I, I think that's what practical shooting is about anyway, right? Is is fast? Like we do, like speed is, in, is super important, but accuracy at speed is what yep. really wins the day, and and I, I think we should we should value that in our sport too. So I'm I'm a fan of minor only, um, and and so like having the race gun in there, like right as long as you're minor only, like it, there's not there's less of a difference than people want to admit. I think I think the biggest difference in open really is the major power factor scoring and a frame mounted optic, um, as well as just mag size too. But uh, the, like those I think are the biggest reasons why open is so much faster and and better than higher scoring than other divisions is purely that major power factor. Okay. Or, you know, very considerably the major power factor itself. So. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, but as the, we, but sorry, with the as, comp, it, it makes it yeah. feel like a light nine. So yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. What were you going to say before uh, I so rudely interrupted? <laughs> sorry. Um, so I, I was going to say the, uh, uh, as we've seen in USPSA is kind of open is open is dying in general. And uh, there's, I think that's, there's multiple reasons for that. I think the the simplest reason is they're expensive and a lot of people locally don't want to invest in expensive guns. Um, and I, the other reason I think is because of carry optics and now limited optics too, is you can shoot more affordably, incredibly good guns without spending buying a $10,000 gun and then worrying about reloading for, for to feed the gun. Um, right. And so I think, I think those two factors are just like opens kind of dying anyway. So do we really need a special division for open if nobody's sh- really shooting open as much anymore? Um, right. I, I, and if you look at the numbers, like I did have um, Jake and Rick on in December, and that was one of the things we talked about was the participation numbers. And if you add limited optics and carry optics, it is 50% of all participation. Yeah. So yeah. they, they are taking over the sport. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, uh, in one of my posts too, like I have just over time every year after year, you can see like carry optics just absolutely growing and dominating the sport. Um, yeah, let me yeah. go back to, uh, let me go back to your page here real quick. Yeah. Like everybody's going to see our messages. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh boy. I guess it's down a little right, bit. Right there, right. The bar chart right in the middle. This one? Yeah. Yeah. So this, ah, okay. I see what you did. Yeah. Yeah. This is breakdown by division, uh, by activity, and then also uh, by classification. So and you see, right. so that's 2018. You see the iron sight divisions are dominating. Limited in production was big back then. Mm-hmm. And every year after that, um, you know, if you click over to the, each slide, it's like carry optics progressively gets more and more dominant. Yep. And there it goes. There it goes. There it goes. Yeah. yeah. If I were to 
update this to include limited optics, that I'm sure it'd be even, like you said, 50%. It'd be even greater. Right. Same thing you were saying in yeah. 2018, it was only 10%. Then 16, 23, 30, 36, 41. Mm -hmm. And I added, uh, let me see. I thought I had this must be the one without the limited optics mm -hmm. added in, but limited optics be, ended up being like eight to 10% for yeah. the year. So, so 50%. Yeah. Yeah. And you can see where like limited 10 has in the last five years has never been anything. Right. So I don't even know why that's an argument to keep it. Um, I agree. Revolvers changed a little bit. Single stacks dipped in half. PCC has stayed the same. It peaked at, you know, about 12 and a half percent, almost yeah. 13, but yeah, production's gone from almost 22% to six. So yeah. it's seen a huge hit. Yeah. Limited, same thing, 26 to 11. Yeah. So yeah, those iron sights divisions are not, not going to last long at this point. Yeah. Participation wise anyway. Whoop. Right. There we go. So yeah, it's. So I, I, yeah, so I, I can see, I, I assume part of the reason why they came up with limited optics is to not have 50, 60% of shooters in one division, which, okay, I think there, there's an argument for that. But like, to me, the technical differences between limited optics and carry optics is so tiny and the performance margin between them are also so tiny that I think it's, it's silly to to prevent 2011s from being in carry optics um but i think if they were to to rechange the rules to where carry optics was much closer to production optics in in ipsic yeah where there's more restrictions on what you can do to the gun then i think there yeah. might be some room for some differences where you know or maybe even 15 round capacity where you know production carry optics should be a you know, in theory, close to your carry gun, which, come on, how many of us are shooting <laughs> our carry gun or similar to our carry gun and carry optics? And it's like, no one. So, so if, yeah, if we wanted to have a division that's close to a factory carry op, you know, a carry gun, then carry optics isn't it right now. Um, and so, like, if I could see the argument of limited optics, if carry optics was closer to that, but it's not. It's carry optics and limited optics are virtually identical right now, and so it's it's yeah, yeah. it's silly to me. Yeah, they definitely need to e either combine them or differentiate them better. Yeah. So yeah, right. Um, but I think either either way, uh, a lot of people I think in twenty twenty four are gonna like limited optics is, is going to grow. Um, and I, and I think I think in general, a lot of like within the current group in USPSA, the average shooter, I think a lot of people like shooting the same division as each other, right? Because you're more competitive, like just to compete against people in your same division. Like I, I think there's more interest in that today than there were maybe even five years ago. Like there, you know, more people wanted to shoot their gun, and now I think a lot, there might be more interest in people wanting to shoot against the good people, like whatever the heat is locally, I think the majority of people want to shoot against that heat. Um, and so I think like if, if top guys move to limited optics, I think a lot of people are going to start shooting limited optics. 
for the same reason. <clears throat> yeah, I, I I can't disagree with you there. So, yeah, everybody will go where the heat is, and or in this case, you know the 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 whatever the optic division is because yeah. optics are just growing. Because I mean, five years ago, nobody put optics on their guns; they were too right. unreliable, or you know, their carry guns. I mean, or yeah. whatever you know, state a reason why, but. Now it's like right. everybody's doing it. Right. And I remember that there used to be the logic of like uh, optics are harder to learn or you're not as good with them or, you know, they're, right. they're slow or what, whatever yeah. it may be um, that I think has just been proved out by competition shooting that like, no, optics are actually good. Yeah. Even an IDPA, you know, same thing. It's yeah. showing that optics are the future. So. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, but yeah, I think if, if, if they made limited optics because they wanted to split up carry optics, I think that was a silly decision. If uh, they wanted to made limited optics because they wanted 2011s, I think that's also a silly decision because they could have just allowed carry well, 2011s and carry optics, right? So that, who knows why they made that decision, but we can now shoot you know, these type of guns in a, in a similar division. So I think that's where people right. are going to go. So I, I do like that they made it a provisional one. So at least, you know, they've, they're capturing the data. Now you can actually make an educated decision as to what to do with it, you know? And if, if the classifier data is showing that there's really no difference between carry optics and limited optics, well, then maybe you just turn you just open, you know, either keep limited optics and you migrate there or you just open up the rules for carry optics and include the 2011s, you know? Yeah. And so for the classifiers that I have looked at, which I've only looked at a couple of them, um, it does look like the difference between limited optics and carry optics is marginal at best um, in terms of pure performance numbers. So I, I think... Yeah, I, th I think uh, they should be merged one way or another. Um, okay. So no reason, unless we talked about like a production optics. Yeah. If you're, you don't keep carry optics and limited optics, but if you're going to create a production optics and some other, maybe that's where you make the determination of product. You change carry optics to production optics and keep limited optics, however you want to do it. But yeah. Yeah. Like I think, especially now that they're going to, allegedly going to change production to 15 round capacity. Like I, I think it would make sense to make, to turn carry optics into 15 round capacity. Um, you know, now that limited optics exists. So. Okay. Yeah. I think that would be the way to do it. So. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that way, like, cause I, I you know, I've also thought about like it, a tiered system for guns kind of makes sense too of like you've got your factory guns and then like the next level up, uh, which is kind of like your shadow two, you know, tricked out shadow two, like there's that level of gun. And then next level up, you've got, you know, your super tricked out guns, like, like open guns. So we used to have that concept with production limited and then open, um, of that, like three tiered type system. And now we've kind of with, with how production or how carry optics, and limited exists we don't like and limited optics and and so on it's like we no longer have that tiered concept at play 
um, anymore, uh, in, you know, in practice. So, and that's a good point. I don't think I've really heard anybody mention that tiered system, but, but yeah, you're right. Yeah. That's like, I feel you, like that's the way it used to be. Right. Yeah. yeah. And if you bring carry optics down to production optics, then you have limited optics and open, then you yeah. do have that tiered system once again. Yeah. Um, it's a good idea. And I've heard in other sports like car racing and I've seen like in our NRL 22 is actually a great example of this is uh, the way they have their divisions. Um, I, so I haven't looked super closely. Um, so yeah, I don't have it memorized since I don't shoot the sport, but I, I've looked at it and the way their system works is it's kind of like a tiered system and, but it's based on like the MSRP of your equipment. Right. So uh, for example, like if say we were to say carry optics, let's say the MSRP of the gun optic and, uh, you know, the, of the gun plus the optic, if we set a, like $2,000 limit, right. And now everything under, you know, anything that's less than $2,000 can be shot in carry optics, right. That, at that point that precludes your, your atlases and, and your, your other 2011s that are really nice. Right. Um, right. And, and, and so you could. Like that would be, could be a way of doing it, and, and NRL twenty two does it um, with their rifle divisions is uh, is is really just financial based, and that w- that would be really the only difficult thing is that'd be hard to, to like evaluate. You know, at the gear check is you got to have somebody with a list of equipment and prices and stuff, and and they have it they have it like the prices set at the beginning of the season, so whatever the prices were uh, today January first 2024 would set like how how you know the rest of the year would be um so like if you show up at nationals this year and you've got a new gun that came out after january 1st well you wouldn't like you wouldn't be allowed in that division anymore um but if the or if you had like a a cz shadow 2 and the price raised and now it's not you know it's above twenty two thousand dollars well you'd still be allowed because that January 1st, it was this price, but so like that, that could be one way of doing it. It'd just be harder, harder to enforce. So, right now, how hard would it be though, since you've done some software stuff, USPSA, they make you take that survey before nationals. What if they used that data that you put in about your gun and your equipment, how hard would it be for that to automatically calculate your division? and populate that into nationals registration. Uh, I mean, you'd have to have a, uh, a third, like a thoroughly detailed, um, survey system. And then, but would you uh, need so, more than the gun itself and the optic? Well, it would depend on how you define it. Right. Uh, but if it was just gun and optic, I mean, it could be fairly easy to implement. Um, and then, and then you'd have to have a gear check to make sure like, Hey, what they filled out in the survey actually correct. Um, right. But, but if uh, you, if you show up like, and I bring this up because someone had mentioned it with Ipsic, like when you go to check in for the match, when you go to registration, you've got to prove all that information. So it's done that day, yeah. you know? Yeah. So yeah. I feel so, like that would be the way to do it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you 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 could pr- fairly easily have come up with a like a survey um, where you got to fill out questionnaire, you got to fill out and make it digital and have all the the prices like in a database um, already ready to go. So yeah, like yeah, that, I mean that would that wouldn't be too difficult to do. No, 
but it would okay. re- require people that would, you know, be able to program it and then also, you know, update, continually update the equipment list every year, essentially. Yeah. But like you said, if you did it once every year on January 1st, that first week of January, yeah. Yeah. then I feel like it's, it's a one-time thing. It's done for the entire rest of the year. Yeah. You don't have to worry about it. And feasibly, they if they were to do it that way, they could also have like some like drop down uh, checklist on their website where you could check beforehand. Like I could, you know, say next week after they publish the new prices, you could go to their website and say, "Here's my gun. Here's this. What's the MSRP?" And then get your, "Hey, do you, do you pass this year before you even go into your first match?" So yeah, I mean that could be done. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't seem complicated, but I don't, I don't do that stuff. So I'm right. not going to say it is or isn't. Yeah, it could be I, more involved than I think. I feel like the programming would be not that difficult. I think the difficult thing would be going to get accurate MSRPs for everything that could show up at a match, right? And that could get more expensive, more time consuming for a person to go and populate that, that data table. Right. Yeah, I agree. I think you'd have to decide that, you know, like a CZ 10, this is the price, but at what point do you start adding all the different modifications in yeah. and at what point does it break over, you know? So yeah, yeah it would just be, right. it right. could get complicated in that regard. Yeah. But hey, that's, that is, that is an option of, way things could be done but i i think at least for me that that concept kind of goes against like the performance-based rules versus equipment specific based rules um right like i i i think the rules should revolve around a performance right like if we if we think say frame mounted optics is a competitive advantage then then you would have a performance-based rule based on frame-mounted optics. But if you just say, well, 2011s are better than than SIGs, so we're going to not allow 2011s in this division, I I, I don't think that's good. I, I think that's that's too, a bit more arbitrary. Um, just like USPSA's formal rule about CZs have to be fully decocked and not half decocked is kind of based on some arbitrary person saying, well, half decocked is slightly lighter than fully decocked so you shouldn't be allowed but if you have a decocker model you can put it in half cock which is the decock position because that's a decocker mo- like that's just dumb like no just make it <laughs> performance based like either da right. in a safe manner which is half cock or single action safety on like that that should be it like not not some weird arbitrary well somebody said this gun's better in this configuration right yeah well, Kurt, that's what I had. Is there uh, was there anything else that we talked about that you meant to go back and clarify, or anything you want to add? Um, let me think. I uh, I don't know. So I, I think we've covered a lot a lot of my data and stuff. But uh, but yeah, well, For sure. Also, this is my 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 first time um, coming public with my uh, with my personality. <laughs> Because I, uh, so when I started this was in the kind of the height of of Derek and everyone else being banned by USPSA for doing stuff on social media. So I was really paranoid about about getting banned. And I and I and I know the Area Two director uh, 
you know, was furiously trying to find who I was when I, when I first started posting, um, whether they care about me now anymore, who knows, but, uh, uh, you know, I was worried about getting banned, but, uh, you know, I've decided, especially given the current circumstances with, with USPSA is, uh, I don't really care if I get banned. Um, I'll shoot matches locally. I know my local people, you know, love me, especially since I actually host matches. So, uh, you know, I don't, even if I get banned, I don't think my local people will ban me. Um, if we switch over to other outlaw matches like PCSL or APSL or whatever it may be, you know, we can still run those matches. Like it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Like I, you know, if late, if it, the board doesn't let me go to nationals, like who cares? I don't, I know I'm not good enough to place well at nationals. I don't want to spend the money to go to nationals. Um, I don't want to give my money to USPSA at the moment. So I'm not, I don't really care that much, but I also think, uh, you know, it'd be, silly for them to ban me formally anyway i don't think they will anyway but uh, uh you've been it's one of those I, that, like yeah i mean all the stuff you've posted is just statistical numbers that are factual yeah. you know it's not opinion based it's like other than the recommended hit factors but that's still based on numbers and and that one yeah. percent so there's still a yeah. logical conclusion so yeah, yeah I, I i don't think you've done anything but, uh, but yeah, if, uh, if, you know, if anyone wants to, so my, my personal, uh, shooting account is, uh, McKenna underscore shooting. And that's where, that's where I post my, my own matches. Um, um, that's my, my personal account. Um, I, uh, you know, post match stuff for like kind of what I've been doing equipment wise. Cause, uh, just cause I'm, I'm a tinkerer, but at heart too, I'm an, I'm an engineer. I like playing around with stuff. So, uh. Uh, you can see I so I took a, a CZ uh, CZ seventy five pre B surplus uh, pistol and uh, did all the gunsmithing to fit a Shadow two slide uh, modern trigger and uh, magazines into it and because uh, uh, like I'm of the opinion that like there is a maximum weight on a gun before you start having uh, uh, you know, uh, like re recoil right. issues and bouncing and stuff by having a too heavy of a gun. So, so I was playing right. around, playing around with, uh, you know, the short dust cover and what can, what can that do for me? So I'm a tinkerer. That's fun. That's what I've been kind of what I've been up to lately is, is just little stuff. Well, like you're that. an engineer. I yeah. expect it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. That's what you guys do. <laughs> yep. And yep. there's the comp. There you go. Yep. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. That's the 507 comp sitting on top of it. Yeah. 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 So nice. I, uh, it's, I love that gun. It's, it's fun to shoot. Um, and then, yeah. Uh, what else about me? I guess, uh, yeah, I'll be trying or will be, uh, it will be graduating with my PhD this year. Uh, so, so if I don't, if you guys don't see much posts from me, that's probably because I need to be actually focusing on doing that rather than, rather than the fun data stuff, even though I know everyone wants to see the fun data stuff. But that takes time, and yeah. my wife wants me to graduate. I want to graduate. It, it's definitely time-consuming. So yeah, but uh, well, Kurt, yeah, I appreciate you, you coming on. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for having me. I'm gonna put the uh, I'll put your McKenna shooting plus your practical shooting analytics and the APSL in the show yeah. notes, so people awesome. can just click on that. Yeah, and I'll uh, I'll probably I need to update the posts for APSL, and I'll probably start uh, adding some stuff over there, 
like I said, uh, things to look okay. out very soon. I'll be I'll be posting some stuff on the PCSL classifiers. So okay, we'll definitely be yeah. looking forward to that then. All right, thanks, Dave. All right, good luck, Kurt. Appreciate it. Until next time, don't be a little bitch. Yeah.